Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you could only watch three wrestling matches, what would they be and why? This is what I'm asking some of wrestling's best. In the ring, outside the ring, behind the scenes, or behind a microphone. Hi, I'm Tom Campbell. Thank you for joining me on Cultaholic Island for another episode of Desert Island Graps. My guest on Cultaholic Island today is one of the loudest voices in Irish wrestling. He's the colour commentator for OTT Wrestling, as well as being a writer, an actor, a stand-up comic, a radio presenter, and some people may tell you, he's also the finest hurler on the planet. Ladies and gentlemen, distinguished island guests, this is Tony Kelly. Since Dublin City Council did the right thing and tore down the Tiffany Theatre... slash radio person to another. It's nice to have you here, Tony. Thank you very much, Tom. Appreciate that. Uh, big love as well to WLRFM, winner of Best Local Radio Station. Yeah, it, it, they won. Uh, it's amazing that I came on board and two weeks later they won Best Local Station at the, <laughs> at the awards. It's it's amazing how that happened. Uh, I'm, I'm, sure that, I'm sure there's no direct correlation there at all. I think there's a direct correlation, sir. You, 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 do yourself, you do yourself a disservice. So, are you, is the radio, radio thing's relatively new at WLRFM. Uh, have you, yeah. you, you've dabbled in radio before, or is this brand new? No, I've been, I mean, I've been interviewed on radio hundreds of times for different projects that I've worked on and stuff, but I've never had my own show. So, yeah, I, I think we've done three weeks now, and the resistance to say three weeks as an Irishman has been... Horrendous there, but yeah, we've done we've done three weeks so far, uh, so it's brand new for me. I'd never done a radio show before that. How have you found the, the transferring your skills? Obviously, as a as a, as a as a mouthpiece in wrestling, as a commentator, as a stand-up. How have you found translating those skills into radio? I think it's helped tremendously, to be honest with you, um, because if there's time to fill, I I know how to do that from uh you know from as a stand-up and as a mouthpiece as you said yourself and as a wrestling commentator i can fill day day or very very easily so that was great the biggest challenge for me was um was just learning how to use the desk because I, I run my own desk and during my show so uh and, and learning to turn off the microphone when i'm not uh when i'm not talking <laughs> has that caught you out yet uh, I left it on for I think about eight minutes the other day when I wasn't doing anything, but uh, thankfully nothing happened. I didn't. Say, I was just on my own in the studio on my phone. 
But my God, how it, how it could have caught... Well, uh, texting on my phone, I should say. I wasn't talking on my phone. So really, what people will get is just like a, a song they like, but with like a special remix that features maybe some keys on a keyboard, uh, maybe yeah. some random notification noises. Apart from that, it's normal. Well, thankfully, I was on, to- uh, I was on silent, but you'll probably hear some vibration noises and the sound of the creaking of my chair, probably. That's what probably <laughs> some people heard. <laughs> hey, hey, that's better than some radio I've heard, to be perfectly fair. Yeah, without naming names, I could agree with you on that. <laughs> concept of the show tony uh, is we are sending you onto a proverbial desert island uh, you're in good company on that island uh, at the moment david star solo oh. darling nick up this conrad thompson most recently uh, all on that island with you but you're allowed to take three wrestling matches burned onto a dvd with you and i'd like you to give me the first wrestling match that you would like on that dvd and why you've chosen it Okay, straight away, why not? We'll jump in with two feet. Uh, my first one that I'm going to choose, and all of these are probably going to show my age, but I don't care. Um, the first one is Mr. Perfect versus Bret the Hitman Hart from SummerSlam 1991. History will be made tonight. Excellence of execution versus perfection. Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect. Well, Bret the Hitman Hart... The Intercontinental Belt says wrestling champion on it. And for you to be a champion, you have to be perfect. You are excellent, but you're not perfect. There's only one Mr. Perfect, and you're looking at him. Coming up, a battle for the Intercontinental title. Let's go back to ringside. Bell's gone. This one's underway. All the marbles at stake here. Take a look. Jam-packed here in the garden. 20,000 plus on hand, and who knows how many millions around the world watching SummerSlam 91. They're my two favorite wrestlers of all time. I can't split them. And even as a kid, uh, they were my two favorites. Mr. Perfect, those vignettes that I don't know what it was about his gear I loved. Like, it was just one. Uh, it's just when you look back at it, it's kind of silly because he, all it was was just a singlet and there was a little bit of color changed at the back. But it was, to me, it was so cool. He had the big blonde hair. Everything he got hit with looked like it hurt him 10 times more than it hurt anybody else. We know now that's called selling in 2019 and, you know, being involved in wrestling and stuff like that. But you didn't know that as a kid. You just thought, my God, what a beating this guy can take. The perfect plex was so cool. And then on the flip side, you had Bret Hart, who had the sunglasses, he had the leather jacket, he wore pink, he had the sharpshooter. You know, and what I loved about Bret as well was that, as I as I said, like when I prefaced the match, everything seemed like it was a real sporting contest. Like he had a series of moves he would hit a guy with. He'd hit him with a backbreaker, a Russian leg sweep, he'd go to the middle rope, drop the elbow, and then he put the sharpshooter on you. So you felt like Bret had done his homework before he came out, you know what I mean? So, like, seeing my two favourites wrestle each other for my favourite title of all time as well, which is the, the Intercontinental title, was just huge for me back back as a kid. And it still is as an adult. And I think if you look at that match as a sporting contest, which is how Bret Hart always tried to present, I think, all of his matches, it's it's almost a perfect match for me, I think. How did yeah. you fall in love with wrestling? I, I like I know I've I've been watching wrestling. I think literally my whole life. I can't remember the time that wrestling wasn't in, wasn't in my life. So, in nineteen ninety one, I was probably six six years old. I think. Yeah, I would have turned six in August of that year. So it's five five slash six that whole year. And I know wrestling was in my life that year, but I don't remember how. So. My, one of my earliest memories is seeing Shawn Michaels throw Marty Jannetty through the, the barbershop window. Oh, oh my God! Right through the glass window of the barbershop! Jannetty tried to dive through the window to escape. Did you see that? Are you blind? What an act of cowardice! Yeah, and it's a lot, a lot of people, especially of... I don't actually know how old you are, Tom. I think you're probably younger than me. Behind that facial hair, I see a baby face, so I don't really know him. Are you in your late 20s? 27, 28? You are, you are a kind gentleman. You are now also my favourite ever guest on Desert Island Graphs. <laughs> uh, I'm 35 years young, sir. So you're older than me, you bastard. Good for you. <laughs> Men and women of our age who started watching wrestling at a certain time, it seems to be the seminal moment for the wrestling fandom when Shawn Michaels threw um, Marty Jannetty through the barbershop window. But like, I remember that so vividly well. But yet, I'd been obviously been watching wrestling because I had Rockers posters on my wall. I had a WWF clock on my wall. You know, I had the 1991 calendar. I, my, my, my uncle was a big wrestling fan. I think he got me into watching wrestling. He'd been 
watching World of Sport, he was a judo player and I think he'd done judo with, with Chris Adams' brother and, and stuff like that. So he had you know a lot of wrestling knowledge to pass on to me. So yeah, wrestling has always been a thing for me. I, I, I genuinely don't remember when I started watching, but it had always been there. When we set a date to have a chat, I wanted to find out a bit more about you and I wanted to find out a bit more about Waterford. Because I don't right. know enough about I was surprised by the amount of hurlers that came from Waterford. Uh, yeah. And then I watched the hurler. Did you watch it? Of course I did. Gar Campion is a two-time hurler of the year, four-time All-Star winner, and perhaps the most recognised face in the GAA. Uh, yeah, I suppose I, I knew I was destined for greatness at an early age, to be honest with you. I mean, I mean, all you need to do is look at my name. Like, I mean, Campion. Sure, like... That's one letter of champion straight away, like, you know, so it's, it's always nice to have a head start, like. I suppose at the end of the day, I do owe everything to me parents, you know, especially me mother and father. Gar Campion, yeah, my, my alter ego. So I'd been living in New York for a couple of years. I went to film school over there and I broke into the stand-up scene over there. And I was coming home, my visa was expired, I'd done in school. I, and I, I obviously I'd known nothing but New York for years. And I was coming home with nothing. And I was like, what do I do here? I had no agent, I didn't know anyone in the industry over here. And people had been talking about web series in New York. Nobody had done it over here yet, in Ireland especially. And uh, I said, right, I'm going to make this web series because I'd seen a documentary a couple of years before that about a, fo- a Gaelic football player. And um, I thought I thought it was what the hurler ended up being was a, a mockumentary about this GAA player who was uh, a character, shall we say. And, uh, you know, it, it turned out that was a real person. So I came up with this character, Gar Campion. He's my Alan Partridge. He's my David Brent. He's my alter ego. He's a silly person in this real world. And uh, I knew a kid who had a camera. I think he was only about 19 at the time. He had a camera over here and he owned one radio mic. And I said, you know, uh, let's make this series. So I, I wrote five episodes, I think, in 2013. And we di- it didn't cost us one euro or whatever that equates to in pounds sterling to, to make the series. We made it for free in 2013. And um, it just took off. It's, it's you know, it, it's you can see how low budget it is. But I mean... It never, it never held it back, you know. And it, 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 anything I have today in my life, I have because of the hurler. There is a, an episode one of season two. Yeah, the reason for that is because we got, I got a, I, I got some more money to make uh, that episode and go to New York and do it. And there was a lot of interest from TV at the time, and I had been pitching the idea of I'd love to split it between New York and Ireland because obviously that's what my life is about. And uh, someone said, well, I'd love to see how that would work. So I went off and made this, and I had every intention of. Making making a second season fully. But then um, I got a development deal through TV to make an actual TV series from it. A full full TV series, I should, I should say, excuse me. And um, I wasn't creatively happy with how that was working and what they wanted to change and what they wanted it to be on TV. And I kind of pulled the plug. I mean, mutually, I suppose, parted ways on the full TV series. And then I did a feature film called Writing Home, which I was the lead in, and I saw what they could do with a low-budget feature, so I adapted the series as a full feature, the Hurler feature, which has currently been in development for the last year and a half. And uh, I suppose I can reveal now, I suppose, the frustration through that, I kind of thought, well, how would it work if, because Gar himself is kind of like a three-dimensional character, like a lot of people who have watched the show have uh, have an affinity with Gar more than me. Very rightly compared him to sort of like an Alan Partridge-esque, David Brent-esque character, because it's one of these people who has this big bravado. You can kind of see there's a bit of sadness behind there as there well. Is. And that's, I think, what I'm trying to explore with... Um, I'm, 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 I've adapted the screenplay as a one-man show now, so I, I think... Because I thought people would like to see Gar in the flesh. So in 2020, I'm going to start doing the first hurler one-man show. It's called An Audience with Gar Campion. People can come and see Gar for real because, as I said, the people seem to have an affinity with him more so than me. I actually dated a girl before who had seen the hurler and started, you know, and you know how that is. And uh, she she then told me that she found Gar more attractive than me. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah, she, she wasn't necessarily unattracted to me, but she thought Gar was a lot more attractive. But I think that says a lot about her as a human being, to be honest with you, because if you've seen the horror, you see how much of a, a silly person Gar is. But I think that's just comedy gold, to be honest with you. Um, it's good to be back home, because when you're in America, everybody says, oh my God, Tony, Ireland's so beautiful. You've got to miss Ireland so much. I would love to go to Ireland. Because they think we all live together in Bonratty Castle <laughs> with this big romanticized country. Whereas the reality is, three for a tenner in the exchange. <laughs> and then down the 
town, you might see a fight on the cobbles if you're lucky. And in for an abracadabra where some drunk fella go to, well, boy. Are you round, you were? I, uh, I was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So was I. Where, where were you? There's a uh, crossing the foundry. Yeah, many in there. <laughs> Not really, no. Yeah, yeah. I tell you, this town has gone to the dogs. <laughs> How did you start your stand-up journey? <laughs> okay, it's actually a fairly interesting story. So I was in, uh, I went to the New York Film Academy for film school. Actually majored in screenwriting and I was studying acting there as well, but screenwriting was my main thing. And um, we were all tasked with making a short film for our, you know, towards our degree or whatever. And everybody was making, as you can imagine, these film school shorts that wanted to be, you know, like French new wave cinema and all these arty little shorts. And I just made a comedy. I just made like what the hurler actually ended up being. It was about a singer. It was a mockumentary about a singer who was coming to America from Ireland. And he was kind of my original comedy character. And um, it got into the hands of this comedy producer in in New York. He was a, he's kind of a stand up mentor and teacher and an off Broadway producer. Stephen Rosenfield is his name. He's kind of a you know very well respected uh, comedy guy in in New York. And a guy who was in my class apparently had been taking a four week stand up comedy workshop with Steve. And he'd shown Steve this short. So I got a phone call in the bank one Friday from this guy who I'd never met before saying he, that he'd watched my short film and he wanted to know what I, would I ever think about doing stand-up. And I thought it was one of the lads messing. So I told him to, you know, as you can imagine, F off. <laughs> and then he called me back and he was like, Tony, it's uh, it's Stephen Rosenfield. Can you please not hang up? and Please don't tell me to um, to do that again. So I was, I was, uh, I, I entertained and then I went to meet him and he said, look, have you ever thought about doing stand-up? I think you're very funny. And I said, uh, you know, I would love to, but I don't know how to, how to write a stand-up routine I don't know how to do that how to get into that world and he said well allow me to teach you so he kind of became my mentor and um, about two or three weeks later I was on the main stage at Gotham Comedy Club in New York in the sold out main room in front of 300 people making my stand-up debut wow that is, that's one way to make it yeah, like that's kind of the toughest of, audiences like that in New York. In New York, yeah, one of the biggest clubs in the city. It was uh, looking. I was twenty three at the time, and I had absolutely no fear whatsoever. And I'm glad I was because if I had been any older, I think I would have had sense and I wouldn't have done it. I thought like, well, yeah, of course I'm twenty three and I'm living in New York and I'm doing stand up at Gotham Comedy Club on the stage where Seinfeld and Dave Chappelle and Andy Kaufman and all these people have stood. Yeah, sure, of course this is happening, you know. So uh, we've talked about stand up being one of your first loves. Uh, wrestling was there as well. So oh let's, yeah, uh, run back. Back to wrestling, your yeah. second match for your DVD. What have we got? My second match is from 1997, and it is the first ever Hell in a Cell match between Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. Don't be mistaken, ladies and gentlemen, this is not a cage match. This is Hell in the Cell. Uh, the sides of the of this cell are approximately uh, 15 to 16 feet high, and this has a roof on it. I'm told that this, uh, this structure is over one ton in total weight and has been reinforced at every uh, possible place that you know there could be any kind of malfunction. And so what I'm saying is, is that once you get in there, there is nowhere to go, nowhere to run when that door is shut and padlocked. Ordinarily, guys that are in cells like this are making license plates or waiting for the parole board to meet. But tonight, you have forced Shawn Michaels inside this cell to face hell. So, oh, so this is interesting because that means this is the first time in the history of this podcast, we have had uh, the, the same match two weeks in a row, which I Ooh, love. Who is Victor? Uh, Conrad Thompson from... Conrad picked it. The man behind uh, every other podcast that isn't this one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a big fan of Conrad, actually, I have to say. Well, it was the first Hell in a Cell, I, I, right, first of all. Um, and it was, the, like, I think it was maybe the first time we'd seen something so iconic um, introduced. I was 12 years old when this match happened and I remember it as if it was yesterday. And I mean, we've obviously seen a pay-per-view appear from Hell in a Cell and we've seen countless other Hell in a Cell matches and moments like obviously Foley being thrown off and all that kind of stuff stands out. But to me, this is still the perfect Hell in a Cell match and it is one of the best 
wrestling matches from a storytelling perspective, beginning, middle and end that you'll ever see in your life. From a wrestling perspective, looking at it as a like from a wrestling head, it's amazing. The commentary is amazing. The the storytelling behind the fact that Sean is a coward and he's running from Taker. He can't get out of it. This is it. He's definitely going to lose. How is he going to get out of it? That's amazing. The ending when Kane comes out, absolutely amazing. The call from Vince McMahon. That's got to be Amazing, and then the what's also goes under the radar is how this is this the match was shot. It's it's actually almost cinematic the way it was shot. The way the cameras pick up Sean's the blood for the first time. Um, when Sean realizes that Kane's interfered and he looks, he just looks for a second over. It looks like Sean's been beaten after been hit with a tombstone. He notices the takers down. You, you get that moment. You can almost see him internally thinking, "Oh my God, what's just been presented to me?" And then you have the slow count from Earl Hebner. It's it's a it's a masterpiece in wrestling. It really is. Like we've just come off the back of a Hell in a Cell pay per view from the WWE. Are you keeping mm. up with the shenanigans of Vincent Company still? Because I know a lot of people yeah. who are quite embedded in wrestling at the moment even to this day say I haven't got time to watch it I don't know whether you caught this Sunday's pay-per-view just I this year has been rough wrestling wise for me because obviously I you know I'm with OTT and you know that takes up a lot of my time wrestling wise and I also work with a promotion called Phoenix Wrestling here in, in Ireland as well uh, and I'm obviously very busy you know in my 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 day job of doing 15 things to do with broadcasting and acting and comedy and stuff so I don't see as much wrestling as I'd like anymore but I actually did catch Hell in a Cell this week I'm puzzled I don't know I, I can see what they were going for I can, I can understand that they you know The Fiend is this well probably the most amazing character they've 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 created maybe since The Undertaker it's so compelling uh, and you know you have this guy who's pushing Seth Rollins the ultimate you know I suppose white meat baby face because he really kind of is at the moment and you're, you're, he he doesn't know how to beat him so he's been pushed to the edge so much that he needs to take, take all these drastic measures and despite doing all that he still can't beat him he hit him he must have hit him with 25 finishers you know the chairs the sledgehammer and still at the end the fiend was the one who ended up on top I get I get all that but maybe don't put it in Hell in a Cell then. Because I think if that's not in the cell and you watch the same story of Rollins being so desperate that he needs to get a sledgehammer and take a sledgehammer to a load of chairs, then you're kind of going, wow, this guy's afraid of the Fiend. He's so desperate. He, he has a three-dimensional character. He has a new kind of slant to his character. But then the minute you put it into the cage and end a, a bloody Hell in a Cell match with a disqualification, I mean, you're just setting yourself up for, for what happened, you know? And uh, I will add your name to the straw poll. Red lighting, yes or no? No. Like, for me, the red lighting is Kane's thing from back in the day. Remember when he used to just come out and, like, I was terrified when you'd hear that music. I was probably 12. I was 12, 12 or 13. And I was legitimately afraid you, that, that that red lighting would stay on you. Probably You might have Takamichi Nogu or someone in the ring ready for a match and all of a sudden Kane's music would hit. He'd come in, that red lighting would stay on. And it was just so, it made him so unique. But why, why the red lighting for this? I just don't understand. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 
You mentioned Phoenix Wrestling there, and you've mentioned OTT. Um, of course. We're going to talk about uh, your work with OTT, but Phoenix Wrestling yeah. relatively new, a relative newcomer to Irish wrestling, isn't it? It is. It is. It's uh, just over a year old. Debuted in August of 2018 of last year. Uh, it's a Cork, well, Munster-based promotion. Munster is a province here in Ireland that makes up kind of where I'm from, Waterford, Cork, Limerick. Um, Kerry, Clare, I think that's it. Someone else, so Irish people are laughing at me going, Tony Kelly doesn't know all the, all the counties in Munster, but I do. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's been a long weekend running into today. Uh, but yeah, it, it runs in Munster mostly and in Waterford, Cork and Limerick, but it is a Cork-based promotion. Uh, you'll see a lot of the OTT regulars working the shows, but also, you know, uh, originals as well coming out of Phoenix in the training area. Um, it's run by two of my really close friends, uh, Marion Armstrong and Billy Bedlam. We go back a long, long way since we all kind of started off in wrestling. And um, yeah, it's a great, it's a great, you know, up and coming promotion. And it obviously came from the from the embers of another promotion that used to exist in Cork, where we all started out, and uh, hence Phoenix. It rose from the ashes of that. You say it's a place where a lot of uh, up and coming talent are being showcased at the moment. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're very blessed in wrestling to have very noteworthy performers from Ireland become yeah. worldwide stars. Of you know, yeah. Fit Finley, Seamus, Finn Balor, Becky Lynch, mm -hmm. four names. Jordan Devlin. Who should the world be watching? In Phoenix. In Phoenix, uh, Michael May. My my charge in Phoenix uh, is Michael May. I manage Michael. We do a thing called the Big Win, Make Big Win Open Challenge where Michael uh, comes out and basically it's an open challenge gimmick where, you know, I I uh, challenge anyone to come out and try and beat Michael and he's as yet undefeated. Nobody's been able to beat him. Uh, he's the best young technical wrestler, not just in Ireland, but in Europe right now for me. In, any, any OTT fans will know him as half of the only true professionals with Liam Ryle, the tag team. But for me, uh, it's, it's the most fun I've had in wrestling in my, I don't know how many years, six years that I've been involved in wrestling. Uh, managing Michael and doing that with him uh, because we've become so close as friends as well. But watching him, getting to watch him wrestle from the outside and be involved in the matches and we've even done some tag matches together or handicap matches, I should say, together at this stage. Uh, me and him as a team. Um, he, he's the guy you should all be watching. He's 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 amazing. He really is. How did you get into wrestling six years ago? Um, okay. So I've obviously... I, I, I actually was supposed to train to become a wrestler in 2005. I was the first ever student uh, enrolled in Lance Storm School in 2005. And I got a bad football injury three weeks before I was due to leave uh, to start training with Lance. And uh, I couldn't go. So I had to put it off and put it off. And I kept playing football and my body just broke down uh, in my 20s. My ankles went, my knees went, and then eventually my hip so my body just wasn't meant, didn't want me to fulfill my dream of becoming a wrestler. So I became a comedian instead um, and an actor, obviously. But then from there, I I was interested in maybe doing some creative work for WWE. Uh, and I had a friend who was on the creative team and we all met up in New York in about 2013. And I was kind of, I gave, was given an unofficial interview. But uh, I wasn't living in America at the time. So I, I gave them a couple of suggestions that uh, I was very honored that they used on the air, which was which was pretty cool to see. Um, and from there, I kind of kept in touch and it was still my 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 dream kind of to do that as a job. And then that was 2013. So later that year, there was a, a guy who was also a comic called Ross Brown. He's a well-known Irish comedian who uh, started out as a wrestler. Um, here in Ireland, in NWA Ireland, trained but uh, trained with actually Finn Balor, Adam Abs, I believe, Finn Balor when he was Fergal Devitt, and Paul Tracy, who's the, one of the head trainers at the OTT School of Irish Wrestling right now, fantastic wrestler. Um, they all were trained by a guy called Andre Baker in the UK, and Ross came back here then, and I think Ross was getting back involved in wrestling, even though he was in comedy, and obviously I'd known Ross through comedy. And we just got talking on Facebook, and I was like, ah, oh, man, I never knew you wrestled. I'm a huge wrestling fan. And we got talking, and he was like, do you want to be my manager? And I said, I would love nothing more than to be a bad guy wrestling manager. It's my my, my dream is to be that. I, I made my debut with Ross. We did this big angle where I was the ring announcer, and uh, I, we, I turned at the end, and Ross won the title. And, and, and from there, I was, I was in. I was hooked again. It is possibly the most fun you'll ever have with some fancy looking clothes on. What's been your favorite moment? Uh, is there something that's happened and you've got backstage and gone, that was that was the highlight of this yeah. entire thing? 
Absolutely. Like uh, in OTT, I, I only managed an OTT maybe twice because I've been there. I've been their announcer for most of the time. I've been there. They're their color commentator. But, you know, I'm very lucky to to be seconding Angus McAnally, who's a fantastic play by play guy. But um, uh, for me, the, my favorite moment in OTT anyway, that I've been somewhat involved in and, and obviously got the call was Jordan Devlin beating Walter for the for the world title on St. Patrick's Day weekend at Scrapper Mania. The emotion. Yes, for Hukamba. Package. Never. Kidney. Temple. Joe. Package. Power driver. Pin that man. Yeah. Yeah. Justice. 2200. Rabbit Irish wrestling fans on their feet for our new champ. that we can drop into our characters and we can drop in you know as they say um to the moments and like w- once i once i put the that sparkly jacket on i'm tony kelly bad guy wrestling announcer i'm not tony kelly the person anymore straight away when the jacket goes on i become that guy and when we walk out of the curtain i'm certainly all in but for that match i've never been more emotionally invested in a wrestling match in my life and I remember Angus, I said to Angus, go to the ring, go to the ring, because everyone was running into the ring. We almost did like the WrestleMania 10 ending, um, where David Starr came out uh, and what, in the own heart role and watched on as Jordan was above everybody's heads. And I was alone on commentary. And to this day, I have no idea what I said. I have no idea whether I was Tony Kelly, the person, or Tony Kelly, OTT commentator. And I remember in the National Stadium, where we're lucky to be again in a couple of weeks' time for the fifth anniversary show. We're almost in a crow's nest looking down over the the venue. And I just walked out of the little booth and I sat in one of these chairs for about five minutes just gathering myself because the emotion was so much. It was incredible to be a part of. For those who aren't familiar with with OTT Mm -hmm. and they want to check it out for the first time, where's a good jumping off point? Well, sign up for OTT On Demand at ottondemand.com. Um... I would start if you're st- if you want to get into it now to lead up to the fifth anniversary. I would start uh, last November when we had um, David Starr and Jordan Devlin against Timothy Thatcher and Walter, and it's the match where everything that you're seeing right now kicked off because Starr turns on Devlin in that match. They were best friends. They, he turned on him there, and. Um, now, of course, at the fifth anniversary show, it's going to be David Starr versus Jordan Devlin for the OTT world title. Um, the story that's been told, actually going back to even when uh, Jordan lost the title to Walter originally, the story that's been told over almost t- a two-year period is something that I would challenge anybody from any promotion in history to show me a better story than OTT has told. And I mean that. And I'm not just saying that because... Okay. My Siri just oh, took that Siri as a... As, wants, Siri wants to challenge you for Siri, that. Siri just took up the challenge. Okay, I would... Forget about it, Siri. Um, <laughs> but I would... I would... Um, I would... Um, I would... Honestly, if you haven't seen anything from OTT, the, the, the David Starr, Walter, Jordan Devlin story over the last, um, I don't know, year, year, year and a half has been just something special. It was that that two match series that uh, Devlin and Volta had that that really that, that blew so many people out of the water. Like I'm I'm I remember watching the first match they had when mm. Volta beat Devlin and yeah. even and being not even being in Ireland, being sat on on a train heading towards probably heading towards Birmingham, watching this mm-hmm. match 
and I might as well have been in the venue. The 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 OTT crowd were phenomenal yeah. that night, and and every part of you was pulling for Devlin, and then it didn't happen for him. But then the next time they met, it was just, oh, uh, it was just just unreal. I want to go sort of straight into talking about OTT because it's the fifth year of OTT coming up, it and is. as a as a fan, I've I I adore watching everything that OTT puts out. Because yeah. it is, it is the the true spirit of, of 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 everything that everyone loves about wrestling. Uh, how did you come to get involved with OTT? Uh, again, funny story and happenstance and serendipity and all that kind of stuff. I obviously had been involved in Irish wrestling, and uh, when OTT kicked off, I wasn't in the Dublin scene at all. But I'd known some of the lads, and uh, I'd come back again from a stint in the states. I was over there for about three months. I was hosting this thing on Broadway and. Then I was in LA for some meetings and stuff, trying to make the horror movie happen. And I came back and I had been asked to kind of contribute, uh, video, do some video work and write some, you know, uh, wrestling content for a sports website called balls.ie, which is probably the best name I've ever heard for a sports website. Uh, and they said to me, you know, we'd love to see you interview somebody. And I went, well, if I'm going to interview somebody, let me interview like a wrestling personality. And like, yeah, but we want someone Irish. And I was like, who better than uh, the session Moth Martina? to do that with and I'd known Martina from the small Cork promotion that used to exist before Phoenix and uh, I contacted her and I was like look I know would you be interested in me doing this she was like absolutely and I just attended my first ever OTT show as a, as a fan I'd never been before um, uh, it was the one where uh, Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks were there uh, I think it was called Being the Elite in the National Stadium a friend of mine bought me a ticket I'd been back from New York about two days I went to it I was blown away I couldn't believe this is what Irish wrestling had become from what I'd been involved in I just I was blown away and to see some guys who I'd known from the from back in those days now being on that stage and that much of a production I was just I have to be involved in this so I interviewed Martina and I then found out they had a deal with O'Neill's who make the hurling gear here in, in Ireland and the GAA gear I was like man I have to write an article about the fact that OTT have have you know have gear made by O'Neill's because the tie-in was amazing and from there then from interviewing Martina uh, I, I, I spoke to to Joe Cabray who everyone knows of course is the promoter of OTT and an absolute genius of a man really really is someone like I just get blown away by every time you know because of what he's done and what he can do and the stories he can tell and stuff uh, and Joe was like you know uh, thanks for writing the article and you know maybe there was a possible team up that balls.ie could do with OTT and I was happy to facilitate that and I'd heard that their their colour commentator who, who'd been there before had left and I was like look if you're looking for a colour commentator I'm, I'm looking for a way to get back involved with wrestling um, the year before that I had interviewed again for the writer's job at WWE and that had come almost to the point of happening until they found out that my visa had expired and uh, unfortunately, I couldn't take the job, and that was devastating for me. So uh, I was itching to get back invo involved with wrestling. And um, Joe said, "Look, come." Uh, he, he, I think he'd asked Martina and maybe the fabulous Nikki, who I'd known as well, about me. And I think they must have given some sort of approval because um, a couple of weeks later, I was um, doing my tryout at a contenders, an OTT contenders show, and uh, never looked back since. Thank God. It was the being the elite show was your first one. As a fan, yeah, as, as a, a fan. fan. Uh, the, the, with that show, it's funny because there's, there's a name I wanted to mention here and he was actually a part of that show. And you you have to excuse me, Tony, you're my, uh -huh. my one and main contact uh, with OTT at this point in time. So okay. this question has to come to you. If you need to take it further, that is absolutely fine. Please do so. When is Bobby George Jr. coming back? <laughs> I believe jo uh, Bobby George Jr. was killed in a swimming incident. No! I Professional wrestling and professional darts go hand in hand. You know, like Charles and Diana, Charles and Camilla, Charles and Eddie. I'm Bobby George Jr. And I'll be coming to Over the Top Wrestling soon. But just before my time, but I believe he, um, I believe he lost his um, his wonderful life in a swimming accident. I think he was trying to swim the Channel Tunnel. If I'm not, if I'm not too off with OTT Cannon. I think that's what happened. And I know his personal ring announcer, Tony Idol, my almost namesake, his cousin, Jose Idol, has also disappeared from OTT because he was Club Tropicana's manager for a while and we had a couple of run-ins together. So thankfully he's gone. My favourite wrestling darts player, 
of all time, Bobby George. Bobby Jr. George Jr. Yeah. I thought I, I'd heard rumors that that he died, but I, then I thought Harold from Neighbors died about four times, and he kept coming yeah. back. Yeah. Well, we had a, we had another wrestler who died, uh, Logan Bryce, and he came back recently as well. So maybe possibly uh, Bobby George can come back as some sort of an undead darts player. Also, as well as taking three wrestling matches, I'm going to ask you to to offer up a movie, an album, mm. and a luxury item to take with you as well. <laughs> okay. So we'll start with a movie. Okay, movie's going to be so difficult because obviously I'm a movie guy. Yeah. Um, you know, having gone to film school and, you know, been involved in that, been thankfully involved for the last 10 years in the industry. Uh, okay, I, I, I'll probably go with my, uh, the way I'm feeling right now and what I'm into right now. Uh, oh God, do I want to be depressed though for the whole time I'm on the desert island? That's the thing. <laughs> you got you to take all that into account though, don't you? you have yeah, to, exactly. You, know? you need something that's going to perk you up or something that's going to bring you down. Mm, I don't want to be brought down because I think, you know, that's that's not... Because I was going to say eternal sunshine of the spotless mind because I'm going through that kind of a phase right now. But I think that would be a terrible thing to just be able to watch for the rest of your life. Um, oh, God. That's maybe the hardest question I've ever been asked in my life, I think. And, all, and, I, and I get the pressure because obviously as a, as a graduate from the New York Film Academy as well, there's... Be, there's, there's a lot there's of extra pressure judgment. in this answer. Probably there's more pressure judgment. than this the wrestling questions. Of course, there's extra judgment on me for that. Um... <laughs> Just oh. shock them all. Just say Con Air. No, American Psycho. Oh, good choice. Good choice. And now, in case anyone tries to cancel me for that, because I saw a quote, I don't know why this is a thing, but apparently a lot of people on Twitter, social justice campaigners and stuff like that, were trying to say that that wasn't a thing. So just in case that's a problem, I'm going to a little back up and say Boogie Nights as well. <laughs> because they're, they're both dark subjects done in a comedic way. And I think that's the, what I love about both of those movies. And I, so I could, I could, that could take me through the whole gamut of emotions both of those movies could. So take your pick between either one of them. Uh, how about an album? Again, I'm, t- I'm torn between Transformer by Lou Reed or um, definitely maybe by Oasis. Or, or then you have Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd as well. Um, you know what? Because it's a desert island, I'm going to say Dark Side of the Moon. Okay. Because I could see myself in the night times on this island looking up at the stars listening to Dark Side of the Moon. That's that's a good shout. That's a nice mental image. That I like there that you, a lot. I like that there a lot. You go. And then during the day you can watch American Psycho. During the night you can listen to Slash Dark Side of the Moon. Slash our boogie nights. Our boogie nights we our have. Boogie like. nights. Dark Side of the Moon. Uh, and a luxury item. What have you got, Tony? A luxury item. My guitar. See, now you don't need to bring Oasis because you can just play the Oasis. There you go. Perfect. I've done it. I've done it. Finally, sir, your third and final match on your DVD. We've had a classic between Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect. We've had the, the, as you would call it, the definitive Hell in a Cell match between Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. What's your third match going to be? The 1992 Royal Rumble match. Oh, the whole thing, baby. The whole thing. WWF superstars competing the Royal Rumble for the undisputed WWF championship, including Jake the Snake Roberts, the Barbarian, the model Rick Martel, the Berserker, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Nasty Boy Sags, Repo Man, Sergeant Slaughter, Alleged real-world champion Ric Flair, Hercules, Colonel Mustafa, the Macho Man Randy Savage, Skinner, the British Bulldog Baby Boy Smith, the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase, Haku, Shawn Michaels, the Warlord, El Matador, Sid Justice, IRS, Nikolai Volkov, the Texas Tornado, Virgil, The Undertaker, The Big Boss Man, Greg the Hammer Valentine, Superfly Snooker, and the Immortal Hulk Hogan. It's time to rumble! It's time for the Royal Rumble! I remember watching it in my grandmother's house with my uncle Billy and my dad, Tommy, um, Billy obviously was a wrestling fan. My dad claims to not be, but yet buys into anything he ever watches. So I remember Ric Flair, he's doing his begging off thing, poking guys in the eye, all that kind of stuff. And my dad screaming at the TV going, he's not even able to wrestle. He's a coward. Uh-huh. He's not. Look at him. He's not. Look, he's begging. He's pleading. He's a coward. He's, and then he poked people in. And my, my dad buying into that stands with me to this day because he claims to not be a wrestling fan. He claims to not like wrestling. But yet Ric Flair bought and sold him 
so well in that match. And then obviously Ric Flair's performance is one thing, but Bobby the Brain Heenan on commentary in that in that match is what made me want to become a bad guy wrestling manager or a bad guy wrestling commentator. He, he, he Ric Flair is one thing in, in that whole event, but Bobby Heenan steals the show. If anyone wants to be a commentator, listen and just listen to Bobby Heenan in that. Because he, he, he has this whole thing where he's, he has money on Ric Flair to win the WWF title and win the Royal Rumble. And then Flair comes out at number three. Now! Oh, yes! Damn it! It's Ric Flair! That's okay. I know Perfect's got him ready. He's confident. Did you hear what I just said? What? You talking to me? Yes. What'd you say? No one ever in the history of the Royal Rumble has drawn numbers one through five and been there at the end. Oh, shut up! Take your time, champ. Pace yourself. I'm gonna have to apologize to the people. I don't think I can really be objective. I'm gonna have to make- When have you ever been objective? And Heenan is despondent. He can't believe it because how is Flair going to win from coming? And he uses this, it's not fair to Flair the whole way through the thing. And then he's 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 rooting on some of the baby faces that he's usually not rooting for. Like he's on about uh, Roddy Piper helping Flair. And he's like, it's a kilt, Roddy. It's a kilt. I said it all along. And then uh, Roddy turns on Flair and he's like, it's a skirt. You wear a skirt. <laughs> and it's just, it's just so wonderful. It's so entertaining to watch Flair and Heenan even though Heenan's not his manager, he's managing managing him from commentary. And to me, as an inspiration, it's just so much. And you'll see it in my... I pay homage to Heenan because he's my idol, not just as a wrestling manager or a commentator, but as a comedian. Bobby Heenan has had such an effect on my life, genuinely, like deeply. I love him so much uh, that I, I put the star on the back of my on my jacket with Tony Kelly and it's a, it's an homage and the TK on the front as a, as an homage to Bobby. It's a tribute to Bob, like it's a, it's a, it's an absolute it's it's the least that I can do to somebody who is who has influenced my life's work and I and I don't mean that just as a wrestling thing I mean it as a comedic thing, like Bobby Heen and Andy Kaufman and uh, Greg Giraldo and possibly Bill Hicks are my my biggest and, and Ricky Gervais are my five biggest influences and I put Bobby Heenan in there as a comedic influence as much as anything else uh, he means that much to me that I felt the least I could do was give a nod to him as a tribute and you know I, I think that's the, the best thing I could have possibly done not to ruin the secret or the illusion for any OTT fans listening but that's what it is but Flair's performance yeah in the 92 Royal Rumble he runs the gamut <sighs> as he walks oh. out that besmirched face he has as he walks out <laughs> at number three he's trying to hide it but he's 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 internally annoyed about the whole situation and then at yep. the end when he cuts the promo at the end with, with a, a tear in my eye, eye. this is the greatest moment in my life when you walk around this world and you tell everybody you're number one the only way you get to stay number one is to be number one and this is the only title in the wrestling world that makes you number one when you are the king of the WWF you rule the world think about it like that Mr. Perfect Guys, the brain Woo! 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 Let's give a big one! Woo! You did it! I was never so impressed with anything I've ever seen in all my life! He went out there for over 60 minutes, never took a back step, took it to Hogan, took it to The Undertaker, took it to whoever got in that ring. That's why he is, hey, and Bobby, you call now, the real world's heavyweight champion! We're not the kind of guys that say, we told you so, but we... Told you so. <laughs> okay, very good. Rick Flair, you have made world... Put that cigarette out. You have made World Wrestling Federation history here tonight. It's the greatest moment of my life. I want to jump. I want to party. But I got to tell you like this. For the Hulk Hogan's and the Macho Man's and the Pipers and the Sids. Now it's Rick Flair. And y'all pay homage to the man. Woo! Yeah, <laughs> I love it! All right, I ladies and gentlemen, it. that wraps it up. I we hope you it. have enjoyed your Royal Rumble. I wrote an article in tribute to, um, I don't know if it's still out there, uh, for Balls.ie. I was leading up to the Royal Rumble of 2018 and I was doing some wrestling articles for them. And I wrote it just to try, I just said, listen to the editor, look, I want to just write this tribute article to the 1992 Royal, like it's like a love letter from me to the 1992 Royal Rumble. Because 
again from Heenan to fair, but I ended it with, with a tear in my eye because that's the line that stands out to me. He's got the WWF title in his hand. Perfect to stand behind and behind him as his manager. Heenan is on the other side. They're kind of rubbing his shoulders. They're rubbing their hands. They've just achieved something. And you believed, you believed as a child. My dad believed as a man who didn't watch wrestling that that was real, that, they, that they'd pulled off a con, that they'd done something. You believed. And that's what wrestling should be for me. You should believe always. Like, if anyone listens to this and thinks, like, oh, Tony Kelly is actually kind of a nice guy. No, I'm not. Don't believe that. <laughs> no. I'll still scowl at you from, from, from the ring or the ringside because I'm not. I am what you see. Believe it because it's true. Well, you've been a nice enough guy today. You haven't scowled at me enough. But mind you, it's only, it's only audio. So you, uh... you can't see me. Exactly. You can't see me. And also, you know, uh, if I didn't come on here and be a nice guy and try and sell tickets for OTT's fifth anniversary in a couple of weeks' time, Joe Cabray would disown me. And I can't have Joe Cabray be mad at me because I'm afraid of him. There you go. This is your space sure. now to, to plug stuff you've got coming up, where you want to send people, what you're doing. Go for it, sir. Well, my pleasure to be here, first of all, Tom. Thanks, for, thanks very much for having me. Uh, if you want to follow me, I, I use Instagram mostly I'm at It's Tony Kelly on Instagram on Twitter I use that for mostly wrestling stuff I'm at This Is Tony Kelly on Twitter uh, coming up uh, I mean you can listen to my radio show on WLR it's called Sound Out with Tony Kelly uh, Saturday 7 to 10 you can get it on WLR.com if you're not in uh, Ireland or the WLR app uh, I'm about to head to Budapest next week I'm actually learning lines here at the moment I'm about to do uh, an episode of a new US drama series that I actually can't name for legal reasons but it's a pretty big deal I'm going there on Sunday to Budapest uh, but I think seeing as it's a wrestling show oh watch the hurler watch the hurler on YouTube watch that uh, but definitely check out OTT because look this is a wrestling uh, podcast and wrestling fans is who I'm probably talking to if you haven't seen OTT OTTondemand.com uh, watch you're going to be blown away we are the best wrestling promotion not just in Ireland not just in the British Isles not just in Europe but we are the best independent wrestling promotion in the world that'll get me some heat Hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands and they partner with factories that prioritize safe ethical and responsible manufacturing I love that luxury quality within reach go to quince.com style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order quince.com style Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.